0: On this week's Devils in the Details, the personnel and tactics behind more troublesome form mixed in with a win against Chelsea. At this point, the league and Champions League seasons are hanging in the balance. Is there any hope for Eric Ten Hagg's United of turning things around? I don't even know what to make of this recent run of form. Um, We've had our own recent run of form with the uploading (laughs) consistency. I feel like... um, like Frequently in this position, now apologizing for absences. Yeah, Incredibly odd positions. I think we both find ourselves in just a number of aberrations that I'm really hoping we'll be able to tie down in the new year and get back to uploading consistently, but... We're here now, and, I mean, United just lost 3-0 to Bournemouth um, a couple days after beating Chelsea 2-1 in what was definitely one of the most chaotic games of the season. Yeah, what are your thoughts on the current form? Do you feel anything differently to what you felt last time we switched on the mics? No, not at all.
1: Um, You know, Chelsea was a, a moment of relief, I think, where you got to, you know, at least enjoy the match um but ultimately it it was not uh, there were no major structural changes in the way we approached that match um you saw Amrabat pulling wide uh in the press which sort of made it easier for it allowed for Shaw to jump up uh every once in a while uh, which made meant we could pin Chelsea a little bit more often which meant high high ball wins some chances um But it wasn't like a major tactical tweak. The issues were still there. Uh, Chelsea were still able to break at speed, in particular in the first half. Um, And then you you see the Bournemouth match. Obviously, different issues. Uh, It was not the same story, but uh, tactical deficiencies obvious nonetheless.
0: Yeah, I think it would be easier to start with what's different and then maybe work into what's still the same frustratingly. Um, And starting with what's different, it definitely felt like United had a more aggressive approach in both the Chelsea and Bournemouth games. Um, What do you think were some of the consequences of that? Like, I, I definitely think against both sides, United gave away some very ridiculous opportunities in transition. But I also think the product of their aggression was spending a lot more time in the final third in both of these games than they had been spending against teams like Newcastle... Uh, Everton, and some of the matches prior to that. Galatasaray was another one that was very back and forth, despite it being a team that, I think, at this stage of United's development, you'd expect them to dominate. Um, Yeah, I felt United had more of the territory in these Chelsea and Bournemouth matches, barring some massive transitional moments, and that was probably the trade-off of the greater aggression in these two games. Yeah. um,
1: Yeah, I would definitely say we look more energetic.
0: uh, The press
1: was more effective. Um, But again, there's just, there's the the strengths and weaknesses fundamentally haven't changed. Um, And, you know, certain teams have certain ways of exploiting or not exploiting those strengths and weaknesses. And the script, like there are multiple different scripts that these matches follow but it's a finite set of scripts. Like there are only like three or four ways our matches ever go these days. Um, and they're decided by the same factors typically. Um, so like to the, to an extent, yes, uh, these matches were different. They were better performances, even the Bournemouth one, despite the result. Um, but still not good enough. There's this unbelievable lack of control. There's not even really an effort to play out from the back. Uh, The structure is really poor. Yeah, that's really where I'm at, where it's like we could break down these matches minute by minute the way we have done in the past, but it doesn't feel insightful, right? I mean, that's kind of what I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, on one hand, you look at it and you go, United had 20 shots to Bournemouth's 10. And I think that's how I very much was looking at it around the 80th minute when Bournemouth start to score, you know, nail in the coffin goals. Um, and then the other way you can look at it is in the post-match press conference, Iraola was speaking to United's lack of players back and how Bournemouth just felt that once they were up 1-0, they could just wait for United to make a mistake and then get on the counter against incredibly few players. It just feels like, you know, we did an episode in the summer talking about rest defense. It feels like the rest defensive configuration is not even there in these matches. It just feels like everything... It feels like last season, if you had a. You know, if you looked at United's progress as they're doing certain aspects of what modern teams do very well and then compromising clearly on other aspects, it feels like what they've tried to do this season in a way is like it feels like they're compromising less but also doing the things that they did well before less. And the compromising less is not working. So it just feels like they're doing. A lot of things very badly um and so even though I think the Chelsea and Bournemouth performances were better they weren't better in such a way that inspires faith that this team has turned a corner they were just better in the sense that I think the team might get more results in the short term playing this way but also when they lose it'll look way more calamitous because They're sending tons of players forward and conceding huge opportunities in transition that I don't really feel like Bournemouth actually capitalized on that much, but they didn't need to because they rather on the counter because they did score two goals from transition situations where United gave up the ball, but it, it felt like they didn't really need to because they were already up a goal and United weren't really generating any threat despite all the shots.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say twenty to twenty shots to ten shots, but Bournemouth had more expected goals, um, and you know twenty shots, one point one expected goals for United. So horrible quality of shot. So it's not even really like the pressure was was yielding chances. Um, yeah, and then and then you see, I mean, ultimately undone, uh, trying to play out of uh, Bournemouth's press. I think for me, this is the most frustrating and bizarre thing. Um, I do not believe that United lack the personnel to play out from the back anymore. Uh, Even even now with Lisandro Martinez hurt, uh, I think the the personnel is available to do it. Um, And yet, A, there's minimal attempts to even do so, and B, when it is attempted, it often ends in calamity, like Bruno playing this very ill advised lobbed pass to McTominay. McTominay fails to take it under control. And that's that's what leads to the opener. And then, you know, it like Iraola said, we're chasing, we're not generating real shots, and we're so wide open, uh you've already lost. Uh and and so I Yeah I I wish I could bring something more interesting to this conversation except that other sides with less talented footballers, and I don't mean just like raw talent, I mean their ability to, their technical and physical ability to play out from the back, manage to play out from the back. And I most of these players are new to United in the last 18 months, so I don't think it's a mentality thing. And that leaves me thinking, not thinking, that leaves me quite certain it's a tactical issue, and it's a totally unacceptable tactical issue. Like, it's totally intolerable.
0: Um. Yeah. Yeah. Build-up se- build, build sequences basically go one of two ways for United. Um, it's either Onana goes long immediately, or it's, you know, United cycle out of, I think, the first spell of pressure, such that they get to the point where the center backs are near the end of their third, approaching the half line on the ball, and then there's just no options to get it into midfield. They never played through midfield. They try to go wide, they try to go long, but I can count on one hand the number of times that, you know, they played through midfield. And pretty much all of it in recent matches, when they do play through midfield, has been Amrabat or Minu receiving the ball, turning around, carrying out of pressure, and then playing a pass. It hasn't been anything in the system that, you know, involves midfielders creating space for each other to receive the ball and then turn a carry into into pressure-creating situations. And that's an issue, because all you're doing is you're shifting the block. You're not penetrating the block by playing build-up that way. Um, as well, you're not getting the ball into central areas. I remember this was a huge concern early in Arteta's Arsenal tenure, where if you looked at the flow of their passes... The ball would just go out wide, and then they would try and cross it back into the middle. And they weren't creating attacking threat because they weren't penetrating the center of the pitch. They didn't have strikers who were valuably converting half chances into shots, um, which you saw with Anthony Martial on the weekend until Hoyland came on. And then they didn't have midfielders, especially early in the final third, who were receiving the ball, turning, and facing pressure. Um, and then as soon as they got players like Odegaard and Smith rowe into the side, it started to change. Um the difference here is, like you said, I think United have the personnel to do that, and they're just not playing them and not doing those things. Like yeah. I think I,
1: I would I mean sorry. I think to your point, I think a great way to when you're watching United to sort of perceive this issue watch in the rare instances where United midfielders do receive the ball back to goal in their own half. There are certain instances where a simple exchange pass, where, um, let, like, let's say Maynou, for example, has the ball back to goal, a man on his back, and McTominay or Amrabat or whoever it may be is sort of beside him. However, his their marker is closer to to United's goal than to the opposition goal. All it takes is a really simple exchange pass, and that player, that other midfielder, should be breaking into space. And you see see this ball played all the time by City, Arsenal, Brighton, Newcastle. Uh, This is how you break a press in central areas. And it takes a little bit of bravery, and it takes a little bit of technical skill, but more than anything, the reason United's players don't play this pass when it does become available is because they don't know it's going to be open until it's already closed. These are the kinds of things that you learn to play in training because you rehearse them. And they don't... It's not, you know, it's not American football where you can just run a play and you just script it all and you do it exactly the same way. But you can simulate scenarios and create patterns. And then not only do the patterns make it easy to make the right runs. The patterns mean that the passes come because the players are comfortable playing the passes because they've done them before and they anticipate the runs. United's players don't play these passes and it is not because of a lack of ability. I've seen United's players play much more difficult passes um, in other scenarios. It is a, a, a matter of policy. They're not being shown to value this and it's incredible to me because every other serious side in football does this. And so what you wind up with is exactly what you're describing, this emphasis on wide buildup playing down the wings. And you would think maybe that that is a um, defensive mechanism. You know, you keep the ball in wide areas, which makes it easier to have central compactness and not be exposed. But instead what United do is they overload a wing and they don't leave numbers in central areas to maintain that compactness. So instead of Keeping the ball in wide areas and reducing risk. They're shoving all of their numbers into a place where they can't have rest defensive impact in an effort to build in wide areas. So you're both A less incisive and B more exposed when you build up this way. It's a horrible way to structure how you move the ball down the pitch. And yet it's. I'll add to that. Yeah, go ahead, please. Like,
0: not only, not only is this not an optimal approach for buildup? The trade-off of saying we're going to play in wide areas because it's less risky is that you're also going to create fewer chances because then you get into the final third and you're in inferior positions in the final third. Um, there's so much of, so much of analytics today or sports analytics is built off the fact that, you know, most chances are created in the center of the pitch and it's because they're close to goal and, Chances that are closer to goal are good. Um, And you're just looking at this side and, you know, even if you're saying we're going to trade off wide um, width in attack, we'll have to attack with width for the exchange of keeping them wide when they win the ball and not conceding big chances in central areas or space in central areas, which United are failing to do, They're also down 1-0 in this Bournemouth match. They're down 1-0 from the 7th minute, and they have 83 minutes to score, or whatever. Bournemouth didn't even—it wasn't even the 7th minute. It was, like, the 4th minute. I was thinking of the Arsenal-Aston Villa game. So the goal is not to prevent them from scoring. It's to score. Yeah. Yes. Um,
1: I think the counterpoint to that is, um, you know, you don't just completely change how you build out based on game state, Right. Uh like sides Yeah. Um like you wouldn't No they don't yeah yeah like t- yeah teams don't do that. But take your point. And, and and I would I would again elaborate on this a little bit more. There are teams that build in wide areas using overloads in wide areas effectively. Um the difference is when the sides who do that effectively do it, they do it in a structured manner that maintains... Essentially, what you you typically do is you have, let's say, four or five players on the left third of the pitch. You have three or four players in the central third, and you have one player wide right. And in this way, you manage to both overload one side of the pitch while maintaining your, your, your minimum width and your central compactness. But what United do is there's no real uh, rehearsed exchange in deep versus advanced positioning anymore amongst the players on the left side of the pitch in this scenario. And so what you wind up with is you will wind up with four players in front of the ball in the left channel. Then the player on the ball, also in the left channel, but in a deeper area. And the two center backs and Hoyland or Martial in the central channel. And that's it. And so when the ball is given up, suddenly it's whoever was on the ball and the two center backs in transition against Premier League attackers. And even if they're inefficient, like Bournemouths were, they're going to score eventually. This is a, it's just, it's just a bad way to play. And I don't, I don't really, this one really throws me for a loop because you're right. It has regressed from last season. This is something United were good at. They were very cagey in how they, went forward with the ball. And that was a good thing in some senses because United didn't concede in transition all the time last
0: season. Yeah, they were not good at playing through pressure, but they were good at managing the risk of failing to play through pressure.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, so I think that kind of covers it on the tactical front. Uh, we can talk about the press. We've talked about the press a million times. You can still just clip the ball over the heads of the forwards to the far sided fullback and break the press.
0: It's really easy. I, it's like I think it, at this book point is United out. are playing <laughs> two of the hardest working wingers in the Premier League from the start of matches and they still can't fix the gaps in this press. Like it's not it's not happening. It doesn't it doesn't it work. It doesn't work.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, it is simply structurally a flawed press and it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't belong at the level that it's being used. Um, all of that puts us in a scenario where you're not building up using modern ideas. You're not pressing using, you know, you could maybe call this press a modern press, but it's a, it's a poor manifestation of one. Um, You're not winning football. You're not going to control football matches that way in the Premier League. Um, So where does that leave us? And and again, you know what? Actually, let's take a step back. This makes it sound like I'm just fully putting the blame on the tactics, and I'm not. I also think the selection decisions
0: have been really poor. (laughs) Um, So yeah, see, so the personnel, right? And a common thing I've seen is people saying, United clearly don't have the personnel to play through pressure like this. And to that I say, I'm really not so sure anymore that that's fully the case. Maybe the personnel that's being put on the pitch can't play through pressure. Um, But let's say you're going to say, okay, Lissandro's out. Fair enough. Lissandro's one of United's best players at playing through pressure. Here's what you have in exchange compared to last season, right? You have Onana, who is one of the best ball-playing goalkeepers in the world.
1: I think for some people within the... Yeah, I was going to say, I think for some people within the fan base that has become contentious, which I don't think
0: make. I'm sorry, I, I just don't think it makes any sense. Like, he clearly is very talented on the ball. Full stop. Anyone who wants to level stuff about Onana's season, shot-stopping and distribution at this point, I understand, but I'm also going to say that I'm going to still choose to take the five years of evidence prior to this over the, like, 20 games in a in a team of... Very very mixed performances, and that's not saying I'm defending everything Onana has done over the last ten game stretch I th- whatsoever. I think
1: the Galatasaray but... match is really hard to defend. Like the right? I'm not defending no, 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 I know. I know. I'm. I'm. Yeah. Taking a, a step further. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. I, like I just want to be clear that like I'm not defending Onana, and United would have won that game if not for Onana. I'm just saying that. In the long run, I would predict a confident Onana to play more like he has in the last five years than in that Galatasaray match.
1: And I also think on balance, he's been very good in the last... Like, recently. Like, the Galatasaray match notwithstanding, I think he's been very good. Uh, And also the numbers back that up. Uh, But yeah, anyway, go ahead.
0: Yeah. You added Onana, one of the most repeatable ball-playing goalkeepers in Europe, who also played for Ten Hag in the past, played in the Champions League final last year, did it at the highest stage. You added 80 million pounds in midfielders, including Sofian Amrabat, who played defensive midfield and was the main build-up orchestrator for the highest possession team in Italy. You added Mason Mount, a player who's... He's basically not played, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't really played, but... Super capable in the press. Another player who can turn and carry the ball better than any of United's midfielders from last season. You added Kabi Menu from the academy, the best academy player at this that I've seen come through United's ranks possibly in my lifetime. I think I've, he's probably in the, the last five to ten I think years.
1: He's probably the best to come through a Premier League academy at this specific thing in the last five years. Is there someone I'm forgetting?
0: Like Maybe, Lavia? but point is he's very good. Yeah, Lavia. Point is he's really good. Loftus-Cheek is another one I can think of who's really good. Point is, very good. <laughs> then, Harry Maguire has had a turnaround in form. He's been pretty efficient on the ball in these last few games. I'm not going to say he's one of the best ball-playing backs in Europe or anything like that, but very solid player on the ball. Teams like Brighton are playing out of the back with center backs that had no reputation of ball playing at all before Graham Potter got there, you can play out of the back with Harry Maguire. Here's the thing. Multiple of these players are not ending up on the pitch. Ten Hag has had two of Mount, Amrabat, and Mainu available for like two months now, and I don't think there's been a single match in a long time where the two of them have started together. I think the last one was that was maybe that Newcastle match in the, in the League Cup. Not that that match plays to my point, but that was the last time. And I, and then the time before that was Crystal Palace when Amrabat played at left-back in the League Cup and Mount played in midfield. That's it. Often you will see Dalo, Shaw, and Reguilon are fit and Aaron Wabasaka will start at right-back. Another time where you're creating a personnel deficiency that hurts you in build up. And my point isn't like, oh, these players are not good and these are the ones I think are good and should be starting. My point is the personnel decisions being made don't don't reflect that of a team that seems like they want to solve the issues that they are having in build up. Well put.
1: Yeah. Well put. There's nothing ambitious about these selection decisions. I think is really the issue more than anything else. If you were if this was a side that was already functioning at a high level, and then you said, okay, we have this one issue, and I'm going to make a compromise to tweak this issue, but we're otherwise still going to have this identity as this modern, effective side. That would excuse, to a much greater extent, regularly using wan and McTominay and Martial getting minutes over Rashford and Hoyland, which I don't understand at all. I don't think it would
0: excuse that one. Like, like,
1: <laughs> yeah, like that, that, that I can't understand at all unless it's a fitness management thing, which I don't think it was. Um, I think
0: it might have been a fitness management thing to not start Hoyland. Yes. But I don't get why he didn't start Rashford. Yes, exactly.
1: Like, Rashford's form notwithstanding, he's still capable of impacting matches to a much greater extent than Martial is. Martial hasn't impacted a match in, like, two years. I, I digress. On the issue of identity, when you don't have any tactical identity... And you're, you have no control over matches. And everyone knows that you need to get to a point where you do have those things. Using Scott McTominay and Aaron Wan-Bissaka, for example, regularly, there are other players. Eh, not really. Those are really the two main...
0: The other players who this I would say this applies to... Add way, way, way more significant benefits to the team. Yeah. I think that's the like. I don't think either of us are going to come on here and say that you should bench Bruno to get better and build up, be because absurd. it would be ridiculous. You shouldn't bench Bruno to get better and build up, but Bruno's adding. You know, but Bruno's if Bruno... you look at the numbers, Bruno's adding like three quarters of a goal every game, yeah. and Whereas also McTominay adds like a goal every three games, and Wahab bissaka adds. Yeah, I mean, defensive
1: impacts? Well, like, all right, a few things. Because McTominay is on the pitch, Bruno has to take up a role in build-up, which is the reason he was in that spot playing that clipped ball to McTominay that led to Bruno, to Bournemouth's opening goal. So, and again, like, it's not really about the individual outcomes. It's about, like, okay, McTominay, to a certain extent, offers box threat. I still think it's exaggerated the extent to which that is true. But it doesn't matter if this side has if this side generates 1.5 goals a game instead of 1.35 goals a game because McTominay's in the side, if that's the bar, they're like functionally, they're being like the sixth best team in the league versus the seventh best team in the league because you're playing a totally incoherent style of football, but you're also using McTominay who offers this one niche value. Like it's just losing the forest for the trees. And I like, I know that we praised this sort of pragmatic approach last season where it was like oh he's you know there are the principles and he's getting the results but but now that the principles are completely gone and the results are gone the selection decisions cease to have any meaning at that point like there's just it doesn't fit together it doesn't make sense and so I don't know I I think I'm at the I'm I'm once again at the point where it's like I I would prefer to have somebody
0: who sticks to their ideas. It's it's everything in good measure, right? Like, a couple of compromises with personnel that's clearly not fit to play a certain style. Like, I don't—I I really do think if you were getting De Gea to play, you know, line-breaking passes under pressure all of last season, United would have made mistakes leading to goals all of last season. And I think that, as a result, that's a perfectly reasonable compromise to make, to go, maybe we can't do that with this player— and find other ways to do it. And I think that was the bulk of the evidence we got of compromising last season was, you know, United tried to do things, found out by getting humbled, we can't do those things, and then dialed it back and went, okay, in the summer we'll recruit better players, and then we will begin to make strides towards those things. And in the meantime, we can do some of these other things. The out-of-possession play got better. um The build-up got better, the rest defense got significantly better. I think you were beginning to see signs of United actually being able to break down low-block sides better than they could under previous management. Even, I mean, many will argue it's because of Rashford's form. To whatever extent that's true, Rashford got the best numbers of his career. There were many, many reasons. Bruno got the best numbers of his career, even though they didn't materialize in actual finishing. Like, there were many, many things to look at to go, this team is making progress in these areas, and yeah, they're bad at these things, but they can get better. But now it feels like, you know, A, if you're going to make compromises, they better work. And B, if you're going to make compromises, they have to. it has to make sense in the long run. You have to go, you know, this compromise is not going to hinder us from getting results in the long run, but it's going to allow us to get through the short term. And I just don't see that anymore with some of the decisions being made. Um, as for the, you know, goal threat thing, right? Let's say you have, you know, we're, we, we've talked about Bruno in the press. We, we both think Bruno's fantastic. Bruno's not good under a press in his own third. That's the, that's the reality. We've, we've said the same thing about McTominay. Um, some might argue that McTominay has played in a deeper midfield role his whole career, And therefore, we don't actually know what the ceiling of his attacking output is in this role. Okay, let's dial it up to a 1,000 and say it's amazing and say he's essentially a striker in output, right? Teams that have two strikers and Bruno Fernandes all producing at a very high output level don't simply stick those three guys up front and then just like funnel the ball into them, especially when two of them are are playing as central midfielders. If you want to get that output from McTominay into the side, you have to make other concessions, and the concessions can't be your ability to get the ball from one side of the pitch to the other, because what's eventually going to happen, even if McTominay and Bruno are these amazing attacking output players, is they're not going to be scoring goals because the ball is going to be in United's half. And... Eventually, you just can't make that compromise at central midfield. So even if you're getting this incredible output out of these players, even if they all deserve to be starting, the the prudent decision is to play the players that allow you to do what the best teams do, which is build out of your half consistently and press into their half consistently. And United are doing neither of those things and the personnel decisions don't suggest that they're trying to so it's hard for it's hard it's hard to go basically they're trying something and it's failing because it doesn't seem like they're trying
1: yeah and i want to latch on to something you said earlier about you know making compromises because you don't have the personnel to do something uh last season there were major holes in this side at key positions That prevented you from doing certain things. De Gea could not play out from the back. He couldn't. There was no evidence in his career that he could. It was attempted last season to catastrophic effect, so you didn't do it. Made perfect sense. United didn't have a real striker. So playing long was actually pretty ineffective because they didn't have a focal point to play to. Um, It also meant that... Building out was difficult... Uh, in even in transition, because they didn't have a focal point. Again, the ball on the ground didn't stick at midfield uh, when transitioning from you know a set defense into attack. Uh, Martial wasn't capable of holding up the ball anymore. Rashford played a lot of center forward. He isn't very good at holding up the ball either. These things made sense, like you said, at the time. You make acquisitions during the summer. It does not hold water anymore, the idea that You don't have the personnel. Um, And beyond that, I think it exposes that we lent a lot of uh, benefit of the doubt to the absence of certain tactical structures last season. Because we thought, well, I'm not seeing this thing, but maybe it's just not even being pursued while you don't have the, the personnel. Those structures haven't appeared um, this season. And, you know, you could deny that the personnel is good enough. You could say, well, I haven't seen anything from Almirvat that makes me think he's good enough to be holding midfielder for United. Or you could say, Hoyland isn't scoring in the league. Or you'd say, Onana's been, you know, inconsistent, certainly. Um, So how are you putting this tactically on the manager? It's the players. The players are the problem. You've been saying for years the players are the problem. The players are still the problem. There was never even an attempt to take the current players who have been acquired for this purpose and, and, and put structures that work in place. It's not like they were taking up certain positions that would have worked if they were better players and then their execution was failing them. We're still at a point where when we do try to play out of the back, it's a ball, it's the goalkeeper kicks it back to Onana at a goal kick. The goal kick goes straight from Onana on the ground to the pivot. Whether it's Maynor or Amrabat, recently it's typically been one of them. The pivot is completely isolated because the the advanced eights and the center forward and the wingers aren't in a position where he can progress, where he can turn and progress the ball. So he goes back to one of the center backs, and then either the center back recycles it back to Onana, or the center back goes down the line to one of the fullbacks or tries to clip it into the striker and loses it. And it's the same pattern every time, and that's not personnel. That is players being in the wrong positions as a product of an absence of structure when trying to build out and an absence of rehearsed patterns. You could have the best players in the world and if you isolate them like this in build-up, they're going to have trouble building out. And United, you know what? I don't think United have like Luka Modric and Frankie de Jong and, you know, pick your striker... Uh, Holland, but they do have players who are a lot better than other Premier League sides that are doing these things, or at least have these structures and, and put their players in a position where
0: it can even be their ability that fails them. I think basically what it comes down to is everyone's going to have their idea of how good this squad is, and everyone's going to have an idea of how well this team is playing, I think what I'd say is, for me, I think this squad should be competing for the top four. And I think right now, the way the team's playing is well short of the sides competing for top four. And if United were consistently building half-decently, you know, the press was effective in many games, Um, they were getting a consistent stream of points, occasionally challenging big sides... And then, you know, there were long spells where United had dominance in the final third, but couldn't convert that into goals or, you know, certain issues that I could point to the personnel and go, This is a personnel issue. Then yeah, I would have way more reason to say I don't really think this is coming from the coaching or or the tactics. But I'm not I'm not really looking at it and saying that at this stage. I think that, like you said, other teams that I perceive to have worse players in these roles are executing build-up structures and pressing structures. Every other top team is doing it. Every other team in, like, the top eight or nine of the Premier League is doing this. Yeah. There's no reason why United can't. And, like,
1: you know, we rag on McTominay a lot. To McTominay's credit, I don't think he's, like, a crazy outlier in terms of, like, his technical ability – Relative to like the worst technician in other Premier League top half sides, amongst players who are like at least peripherally involved in build up. Like I don't think it's impossible if you for you to have <laughs> ten talented players around McTominay with the proper build up structures and build up well. Like I like I don't think it, it's not even fair to say like if if you know I I do think it is. Baffling that he plays consistently, but he's like he's not the only reason United can't build out. <laughs> like United, United should not. be able to he's build out not. even
0: with him on the pitch. Um, and it's no, he's definitely yeah, not. Like, and like I'm not saying the attacking threat stuff to like diminish his attacking output. No. he scored twice I against mean, Chelsea, I mean, and United won two. I months. mean, I will,
1: dim- I, I will diminish his attacking output. He has 3.3 expected goals on the season, and 1.8 of those came against Chelsea, like. It, if you if you take away the one game he's like a one goal every 10 games player in this role which is just like not worth what he's giving you otherwise I will say that much but like honestly I might That's even still what I think might I might but even, not, I might even here to... dude I might even cut that out because like of the episode because it's just so who cares whether that works or not It's about the fact that like millions and millions and millions of pounds later the identity of this team is zero control and hope a ball falls for McTominay in the box. Like, that's like good outcome, what we're happy with. Those are the good games. Listen, there might, there might be huge problems. There probably are huge structural issues at United that have nothing to do with the manager. But that is not a coherent explanation for why these talented players have no tactical grounding on the pitch like no 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 quality tactical grounding on the pitch I should say um and so I guess the, all of this is you probably have been, you probably could have inferred this from everything I've been saying last time we were on I think I said I wouldn't sack him yet but I would understand if they did it I would think it was justified it justified I would sack him now I, I he's he, he is not fixing this uh and he is he is a big part of the problem now
0: yeah, I I don't really, I, I think, I think I agree. My main issue is just like, I don't understand, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, well, I think that's like, that's
1: where the instinct to say, well, how can you turn on the manager? Don't you know, like, it's the hierarchy, it's the board that have, that have fallen short and it's it tough. is to some extent, and, and, like, it is to, to some extent, to some extent,
0: yes. Like, like, if I were to build a perfect model of the football club, Ten Hag wouldn't be the one deciding. You know, he wouldn't have bad players to choose from. Yeah. He wouldn't have players who aren't good in build up to choose from. The way good coaches and good structures are made to look good, guys like Potter and Deserby coming into Brighton, I think, I think they're both very good coaches with very good ideas. I also think that players like Aaron Wan-Bissaka don't end up at Brighton. Generally, like you look at their squad and their backup players might not be good, but they are players who can play the way Brighton want to play. And that's because they have a board that goes, "Okay, this is where we can exploit the market within our budget and get a team to play a certain way. And then they hire directors and scouts and front office executives who then come together and choose a manager who's going to implement the style of play, and has 20 players to choose from who are going to play the style of play. And they have no money, so why can't a team with hundreds of millions of pounds do it? Um, Ultimately, yes, that's all a bigger problem than Ten Hag. However, Ten Hag has, what, at this point, 14, 15 players who I definitely think could play possession football for a Champions League team, whether as a starter or a substitute. And right now, United wouldn't even progress through the Europa League the way they're playing. Um, it's, it's totally miles off. And it's definitely on the manager that it's that far off, right? Yeah. I, I, I think mean, that's well put. Like, Yeah.
1: Absolutely, he should not be the person in charge of picking which players come into the club. And that is an issue... And there has been inefficiency in recruitment as a result. However, really good managers still pick the best players. Like, they they don't. That's part of it. Like, look at, look like, take, this is, again, we're using City and Pep as an example, and that's not fair. But look at Calvin Phillips at City. The board bring in a player, spend a ton of money on him. Who's just clearly not good enough, not good enough to be at City, and he never gets into the si- never gets into the side because Pep recognizes that he can't do the things that City players need to be able to do. So it's not again. You could say, well, he has the luxury of, of a settled
0: side that gets results, so he doesn't need he to make like the compromises. Stones, Akanji, yeah, and Alvarez as his midfield yeah, over, yeah, and over Phillips, Phillips never plays right.
1: Exactly. Like, that is, that is my point. Bad players, or players who can't do the things you need them to do, do not wind up in the side, period. Um, and, like, that, you can control that as a manager. You can pick, you can control who you pick. And United have good players to pick from, and he doesn't pick the best players.
0: It's not just 100 million pound players who are playing for City. Like, they play academy players. They play, you know, they play players out of position. They. Do all kinds of things, but certain players don't make it into the side. And that's always the way it's been. And yeah, it's easier for Pep than it is for Ten Hog. And that's that was my point two yeah. minutes ago, yep, right? Absolutely. It should be easier for Ten Hog. Yeah. I think I think two year, a lot of people are getting flashbacks to two years ago when they felt that we were in a similar position. But I think what I'd say to that is there were there are a couple of things that make me feel that You know, what ended up happening two years ago is, you know, around this time, United sacked Solskjaer, they bring in Rangnick, the team does not get better. Or it gets slightly better and then gets a lot worse. Whatever, however you want to frame it. They weren't good enough to play in the Champions League at any point in that season. Fine. There are a couple of key differences. Number one is, even when United were very good, I think there were clear tactical issues for which there was no explanation. There were were things that had us scratching our head that had us saying, we will not win competitions playing this way. The Champions League exits, the Europa League final, the general selection decisions, the major recruitment decisions. I know United have made recruitment mistakes under Ten Hag, but if you look at the recruitment track record, it has been much better. There have been a lot of players coming in, and that's the other thing. There have been a lot of players coming in that said to me, this is the style we're going to be playing. Again, Possession midfielders from Syria, like really good pressing midfielders with high technical exactly. ability, ball playing goalkeepers, yeah. strong academy midfielders. Mine is playing first team football at eighteen. Like,
1: yeah, I think I think you can kind of conceptualize what you're describing like this way. Under Soulstar, the major recruitment decisions did not align with the major squad needs. Well, United. Coming into his first full season as manager, everyone agreed you need midfielders and you need um, center backs. United get a center back, but they get a guy who, in terms of his physical profile, did not make sense for the kind of football that United were going to try to play. They don't get any midfielders that summer, so then you go to the next summer and you say, okay, we need a deep-lying midfielder who can play with the ball, and we also really need a right winger. United do not get a right winger that summer. That summer was really a catastrophe from a from a recruitment standpoint, and I don't think you can entirely put that on Solskjaer. But I'm, yeah, um, the ensuing summer, you say, okay, we really need a right winger. We really need a defensive midfielder. Those are that's those are the needs. You get the right winger in Sancho, but then he doesn't wind up playing right wing, and you don't get a midfielder, but you do get Cristiano Ronaldo and Rafael Varane, which like. Center back and forward and broadly like left forward slash striker were not needs at all. It never made sense. And I don't think you can completely remove that from Solskjaer. I don't think you can say Solstra had nothing to do with that. He clearly was involved. You look at the last two summers, and it's very different, I think. It's we need a left-footed center back. We get a left-footed center back. We need depth at left back. We get a left back. We need a right winger. We get a right winger. We need a midfielder. We get Erickson. Erickson wasn't a perfect profile fit, but he did, you know, clearly fit a certain profile. He was technical, and we didn't have technical midfielders. Well, there was a
0: clear pursuit of someone else, also, and then yeah, I think yeah. it... No, go ahead. No, I, I mean, I think I think ultimately, I look at the Casemiro and Antony signings and go, there are some pr- recruitment principles that are wrong here. Yes, of oh, Casemiro, totally you look forgot. at the system and you go, Antony... I want to play a certain way. I'm getting a player to play that way. Um, there are issues with that signing. It's huge But in the context that. of what we're talking about, not not a problem. It, 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 it was, right? it was, you, you got a we player. We need a thing. We get the it. thing. Like, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's my point. I'm not saying it was worth it. I'm not saying anything else. I'm saying you look at the signings last summer with the exception of maybe Casemiro cuz you go you wanted a press resistant midfielder and you ended up with a raw defensive midfielder which i still think you needed but there there are definitely tactical you know concerns there fine this summer again you needed a ball playing goalkeeper you need to like this stuff makes sense and i think i still believe that the players who have come in will be impactful In the right system. I still believe that. Um, So I think... And then I I would also... If I look at... I would also draw one
1: more distinction between the two. Keeping in mind the fact that the football recently has been no better than it was during the bad periods under Solskjaer. Like, in terms of the amount of control United have, um, the highs, the lows, whatever. Um, But... A few months ago, Aaron, do you remember this? You, me, and, or rather, uh, John, you, and I, uh, sat. John McKenzie of TIFO Football, sat down to do a big episode um, about rest defense, uh, and we said, you know, we're going to watch a bunch of United's recent matches from last season, and then I proposed that we watch some of Soulstar's tenure uh, to sort of contrast, see what was different. And we started watching some of Soulstar's tenure. And it was not discernible what structural approach was meant to manifest itself on the pitch. Uh, and we looked at a couple different matches. It didn't visually look organized. And this is not me saying that there were no tactical principles. But it didn't look the way... It didn't look at all like resemblance of the way other top sides play. Um, now United now have absolutely no control over matches. Uh, they do not dictate matches the way other top sides play. Uh, however, you can see the, the form of the attempt to do so and where it's failing. Whereas it was a lot harder to do that under star Um, Ultimately, is that even material when the the performances aren't better? Perhaps not, Uh, but I do think it's a distinction.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the, the point that I was making was going back to, you know, the coaching point of, I think two years ago, a lot of people felt, yeah, it might be time for him to go, it might be time to try something new, but when we did, it didn't really get meaningfully better. Whereas this time, I really strongly feel that the squad is different. And if you get the right coach who can get a system to work, I think the season could be saved. And chances are the same thing could happen where you get a new coach in and there's just too much disarray. Maybe there's stuff going on behind the scenes. Maybe there's you know mentality issues. And maybe there's whatever else is going on. There almost certainly is. I still think you have a better chance at this point of getting someone else in who has a who's going to give you the clear ideas that you want and making something of the season than you have with a coaching staff that seems to be making no attempt to do yeah. that. Um. Like if Ten Hag tomorrow was like, I promise I'm going to do everything to control these games and get us to build out of the back properly and press properly without conceding massive opportunities. Like, I I would I would almost be more receptive to it, but Everything he says and does implies that they're not focused on that. Yeah. And I think United should be coached by someone who is focused on those things. Yes. And I think that this squad can be good with someone who is focused on those things. Yeah. Well, that's really well put. Um... Which is hard for me to say, ultimately, because I think last season was good. Like, last season was the best I've seen in a long time. And I was pretty happy with the vision of the team. But I, I think... But it just seems to have a I
1: think... I think that um, the real hallmark of a great manager is a willingness to try new things when other things aren't working. And I I don't mean that in the context of compromising on your principles. I actually mean the opposite. I mean, okay, I have this approach to playing the kind of football that I want to play, and we're not playing the kind of football I want to play. Let me change the means... So that we can get to a place where we're playing the kind of football I want to play. Not let me change the principles so that we're getting better results. Like, I want to see him visually tweak the press or, you know, change how we're distributing numbers in early buildup. Like, just change anything. I don't even care if it works. It would give me way more faith if you saw, like, you saw. If, like, if we came out in the next match and we were pressing out of a completely different shape or uh, we came out in the next match and we were taking goal kicks differently, uh, in short, taking short goal kicks differently, I don't even care if it doesn't work. That would be so much more reassuring than what we're watching, which is just like, oh, everyone agrees this isn't working, but we're going to get better, guys. We're just going to keep on doing it the exact same way that clearly has fatal flaws, not like procedural issues that we're going to tweak and it's going to work. Like they've been doing this for months. It's a small tweak is not going to fix these structural tactical issues. All right. <laughs> Hold it together. Everyone, uh, enjoy whatever holidays you celebrate. Or if you don't celebrate a holiday during the December festive period, uh, Enjoy it nonetheless. Be be healthy. Be happy. Don't think about United too much.
0: It's nice talking to you. Thanks, here. everyone. Yeah, yeah. This is this is still cathartic. I will say that. Um, I mean, I think, I think it would have we would we would have been a little bit dry for material if we had been recording every week during the stretch because sure. it would have just been like United are bad, United are not good, United are not great. Um, and honestly, yeah, that's the other thing. Like, it's just not... It's not even losing, right? It's just not interesting. Yeah. Like, I, just, I, I, I desperately want it to be interesting. I want to leave the game thinking about yeah. it. That's how I yeah. got into this. It's
1: very true. Like, I think that's part of the like part of the reason why I said I would like to see just a, a big tactical tweak. Like, big tactical change. Like, try something... Try to achieve your goals differently. Just... Because this isn't working. This is like, it's not gonna
0: click. Yeah, Yeah. but so hopefully, I mean, eventually we'll get something interesting going. It's just a matter of when, not if at this point, because either United are going to get good or they're going to make changes. And uh, unfortunately, we just have to wait for that. And on that note, I hope we'll see you next week. We're going to try our best. Take care, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this week's Devils in the Details. You can follow us at Devils ITD Pod on Twitter or on a variety of streaming platforms. Our awesome theme music was made by Jacob Connor. You can find at JacobJConnor on Twitter. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.